The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Can we still say happy Brandon Day even if it's Thursday? We make the rules. So absolutely happy Brandon Day. Wow, that was definitive. I like that. Yeah, happy Brandon Day, man. What's up? Happy Brandon Day. Um, things are uh, busy, man. Things are busy. I, yeah. uh, I couldn't come on yesterday's show because I worked from 7 a.m. until midnight. Oh, my so, God. Uh, yeah. Wasn't available. 17-hour workday. What, are you back in minor league baseball or something? Yeah, casual. Casual. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, happy Brandon Day, too. It doesn't matter what actual day of the week it is. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Hoop-Ball.com. Check it out post-haste. And you can also get your coffee, HawaiianIsles.com, at H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter or on Amazon. Uh, how you been otherwise? How's the fantasy team stuff going? Fantasy team is doing well. Um, the, my one big team... I lost Steph Curry and still in first place. So wow, things amazing. are looking up there. You're just you were that you were that good is what you can have kicking around in your head. Yeah, share a team with my brother. Um so he gets some props as well. Big uh big hoop ball guy as well. Nice. So some a shout out there to Adam. Um the one thing is on my other team is that I added Aiton because he got dropped. And so now I'm sitting with Aiton and Fox and Kawhi and Isaac and guys that are getting hurt and Turner and it's just it's not great in a head-to-head. But, but Isaac's back in a big Isaac way. Isaac is back. Boy, it's nice to have him back, and he should have some nice usage if uh, either Vooch or Gordon are out for a substantial amount of time. Yeah, and it seems like maybe both for, I, I mean, I guess I don't know exactly how long yet. We don't have the initial report, but, I mean, the Vooch one looked particularly bad. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll see how all that goes. But listen, you're here to give us the buy lows and the sell highs, our weekly segment where we can... Flip some guys, and this is okay. I I need to do like the little step back here thing before we even dive into it. Step uh, back jumper. Yeah, this is a little step back, Jay, from your buddy uh, at Dan Vespers. You are at BD Marcus on Twitter, by the way, so people can follow the both of us at Hoopball Fantasy as well. Uh, the buy low, sell high. I, I think people go into this with the hope that they can turn like a seventh rounder into a second rounder, but it, it's not. That's not really how this works. To quote that. Uh, hilarious commercial where the old lady was talking about her Facebook wall and she's like I unfriend you and the person says that's not how this works that's not how any of this works that's what I'm talking about here you can't just take some guy at the end of your bench that you picked up like you know Marcus Morris I think is a good example of a pickup this year that's performing pretty well he's like a top 75 guy but you're not going to flip him for Somebody who was drafted in the third round that's underperforming sitting near that same 75 mark. This is a segment, and all trades, if you're actually trying to make these step up, and it's not just a strict, like, statistical category ROI thing for you, all trades are about making incremental improvements to your team, and that's why you kind of sort of stay on it throughout the year. So, with that as the preface, you've got some names. Where do you want to start? Why don't we start with a guy that was, I believe, top 50, uh, maybe top 40 in Bruce uh, preseason rankings, and he's currently at 103, and that's mm. Josh Richardson. Mm. Uh, he's been not great shooting the basketball, um, currently questionable, didn't play last game, so maybe the owner's a little bit worried about that. 
So he's at 103 right now, and he really has shown nothing so far this season that he's going to be top 100. But then you look that he is 67 and 53 the previous two years. And when you look closer at the numbers, his scoring is down from last year. And obviously because of that, less threes. But everything else is about the same. Even the field goal percentage last year was at 41.2. This year, it's at 42.1. So his field goal percentage <laughs> is actually up from last year, and his ranking is down about 35 spots. So I think if you allow him a little more time to get used to Philly's system, his numbers should go up. I think you'll see more games that Embiid will miss in the future. He still has not missed that many yet. And so that's why I am going to buy Josh Richardson. I'm 100% with you on this one for the one category, basically, that you didn't mention. Turnovers. He's at a career high, and it's not even close. He's averaging close to three turnovers per game. So for nine cat, yeah, he has taken that 30-40 slot hit. In eight cat, he's almost exactly where he was last year. The only difference from last year in eight cat is uh, his steals and blocks are actually slightly up. And his scoring is down 1.8. So his ACAT ranking is actually almost uh, identical. And with 9CAT, he takes a 1.2 turnover hit. So I'm 100% with you. There's no reason why his turnover should be that high. Like there's, Yeah, it's weird. It's very because weird. He was handling the basketball way more last year, you would think, yep. with a Miami team that needed him to do everything. And this Philly team doesn't need him to do everything. Nope. He just doesn't know where his teammates are. He doesn't know where they need to be. There's still a lot of getting used to type of stuff going on. And it's, and it's not outliers, too. It's not like he had one game where he had 15 turnovers and the other was all one. It's, you know, three, five, four, one, two, three, three, two, four. They're high pretty much every game. And that is not his normal appeal i mean he's never had more than 1.7 and that was two years ago he was at 1.5 last season when he was basically the miami offensive focal point so yeah absolutely i'm with you on that one now the job for those of us here on the podcast since this is you know that's why we get paid the big bucks over here is figure out what you could give up to get him because do you think the people that have j rich are frustrated do you think they're just kind of like meh I feel like yeah, man. I don't, I don't think they know that he's that good. Um, he's on my big team. He's actually, I believe, on the wire, which is crazy, in my 11-team league. And that's the one that Aiton and Collins got dropped. M-Rob got dropped recently. Uber got dropped. It's crazy. These guys have no patience whatsoever. Um, but maybe, tell me what you think about this. I know we just discussed guys that you pick up that you can't really deal for someone like Josh Richardson. But I don't think people realize how high he can possibly be, that being Jay Rich. What about, um, and if I butcher this last name, tell me, OG Ananobi from and, Yeah, Toronto. that's basically it. I think it's Ananobi. Ananobi, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Well, what you do, that seems like something that hmm. numbers-wise it looks good for the guy getting OG, but Jay Rich is actually the better player. Hmm. I actually think they end up pretty damn close to one another this year. Do you? They're they're not that dissimilar from one another. I think the, the big difference right now is Ananobi shooting his brains out at 57%. Well, here's the thing. You just said they're going to end up close to each other. They're not close to each other at all. They're no. separated right now by about 70 spots. So you want to go rest of the season, Jay Rich probably gets a nod. Yeah, maybe by a hair. Ah, man, and that's what we're talking about here. You want if those you think it's by a hair, that means that you think OG's going to stay around 37 where he is right now. Yeah, I think he probably peels back to uh, maybe 50-something. I think he's and where a 50. Think Jay Rich ends up? Also in that, in that 50 to 60 range. Right, so it's a much bigger leap for Jay Rich. It is. It is. 
but I'm in that in that vein. I might just hang on to OG because it's just like, well, what's the like, what's the point here if they're going to end up roughly in the same spot? Which I know is weird. I'm I'm higher, I think, on OG than than some. I just you know he's like the perfect nine cat guy this season. I'm thinking, and this is this is the hard part. Who can you flip out there that's playing well that right. maybe you that you picked up later? Maybe like uh, Paul Millsap. Maybe people don't realize he's actually been pretty damn good this year. Yeah. Uh, what about none? I would definitely trade him for Jay Rich. Yeah. And then Marcus Smart. Yeah. Give me Jay Rich. As Boston yeah. gets healthy, his value. I mean, he's been basically floated this year by the fact that someone's been out for the Celtics. Pretty yep. much. Jabari Parker's another one. Oh, yeah. Jay Rich for sure. Yep. This is good. This is this is the game you guys should be playing as you listen to us on the pod is look at the guys currently ranked where you think Richardson's going to end up and see how many of those guys are dudes that are just straight up overperforming. Yep. Uh, Millsap, Josh Hart. I don't think you'd be able to get Jay Rich for Josh Hart, but just throwing well, it out Barton. there. Uh, I might keep Barton, actually. Interesting. That's close, though. That's another close one. Uh, yeah, you know what? Give me Jay Rich. It's just the sort of proven factor, and, and Barton's been injury-prone. Uh, P.J. Tucker, much as I love him, I'd rather have Josh Richardson. Which of the Bogdanoviches? Do you trust less? <laughs> I like Boyan more. Bog, uh, Bogdan is obviously higher ranked right now, but the De'Aaron Fox absence is a massive factor in that one. Yeah, that's fun playing against him this week at head-to-head, by the way. Yeah, so tough. I, I have Fox, and I'm playing against him, so that's really great. Tough t- tough time to play against Bogdan. Double yeah. Bog. Uh, Aaron Baines, you could trade him for go- for Jay Rich. Uh, we just You mentioned Barton. I even think I'd give up my spirit animal Daniel House for him uh, just to get a guy who's, you know scoring and doing a little bit more who's maybe not as great because of the turnovers but you can sort of a, you can accommodate for that uh luke Kennard, other names that are evan fournier larry nance all of these names to me are currently ranked in front of jay rich and i'd rather have josh richardson than those guys do you disagree on any of yeah. those no what about montrez harrell i think that's a guy that gets name recognition but now that pg and Kawhi are back yeah i'd rather have jay rich yeah i think so me too by the way for anyone speaking of uh Daniel House. I got a question on Twitter about how much money they should bid on Daniel House. And uh, this is just a quick note for anybody that does that whole uh, FAAB style. Um, I don't like bidding more than about 25% on anyone that is going to be about top 75, just because if they get hurt, then you lose a lot of your money and you can't do anything with it. Hmm. So for people that are wondering, I mean, Daniel House, for example, a guy, he just got hurt. And if you went and blew 70% of your budget on house, then that doesn't help you for the remainder of the season. So just one quick note, because I know you've been uh, passing people along, which I appreciate, by the way. Uh, And I am available, by the way, for all you people during the week. I'm available to like midnight in the West Coast. So feel free. (laughs) Yeah, Brandon's hours are super weird. At BD Marcus again, if you've got questions on on any of the fantasy stuff. But obviously the stuff I tend to shoot along your way is when it creeps into the auction and fab style leagues, which I... I don't play a whole lot of. Okay, so Jay Rich, that's a good one. I like that one. I'm with you on it. What's your next one? Let's see if we agree again. Uh, I'm going to go Markkanen. Um, it's one that uh, I'm going to give some props to my brother as well. He's It's someone he owns, um, and he was tremendous the first game of the season, that being Markkanen, and I was regretting not getting him, but he has been dog poop since. <laughs> uh, yep. I don't think there's any direction but up for him to go. Right now he is ranked 120. And it just doesn't seem like he is that type of player. I mean, he is just better than what he is doing so far. He just had a good game last time out. He was ranked 40 last year, 66 the year before. 
and 120 is not where he should be. Yeah, he's he's way down, and there are some. So I'm okay. So I'm with you, but I don't know if I think he's going to go as high as maybe other. Where do you think he ends up? You think he gets anywhere near where he was the last two years? I think he maybe splits the difference a little bit. I think he's closer to where he was in 2017, 18 at that 66 mark. I think he ends up close to about 75, but right now he's at 120. Yeah. So perhaps you can get an owner that's frustrated with him. Yeah, he's a definite buy low, and I'm with you. I think 75 might be the new, the adjusted target now that we're a month into the season because, for me, the, the reason I'm adjusting the target down is not the field goal percent being super low. That's the reason you buy low on a guy like like Markkinen. Uh, the free throw percent being down, another reason to buy low. Uh, the rebounds might actually stay down a tiny bit because uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is is healthy so far this year. The reason I'm afraid is the volume. You know, he's only taking 11.8 shots per game after being at 15.3 during his 52 games last year. So, you know, if, there, if the volume's not there for a, a big man that you need to score and hit threes for your team, because generally his other stuff is actually not... I mean, rebounds has been pretty good, but the other stuff has been relatively low for him so far. You need him taking shots. You need him scoring. You need him doing that stuff. And so if that volume is way down, uh, that's a kick in the teeth. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I would give up somebody who I feel super confident is going to finish inside the top 70. So the question is, is there anybody that we think is going to sit kind of between 70 and 90 that maybe is overperforming right now and is set to dial back a little bit that you could actually get Markinen for. I feel like most of those guys might not move the needle for the team that would have to lose Lowry. Yeah. You think about like a Tucker and a house. I don't think those names are big enough. Curious. Right. Who do you think rest of the season? Would you rather have SGA or would you rather have Markinen? That's a hell of a question. Cause SGA, SGA as good as he's been to see him at 97 is definitely uh eye popping. Yeah. The percentages are not quite where they need to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'd rather have I think I'd rather have Shea because there's this avenue where more pieces get out of his way in Oklahoma City. Chris Paul leaves. That's what, that's a one thing mm-hmm. that definitely opens up minutes. Chris Paul could leave. Dennis Schroeder could get moved. They could go into full youth stuff. There's just these weird little av. Not that he could really play anymore. He's already averaging 35 minutes a game and 16 shots. But you know, if he slid over and got more point guard minutes, that would be the way to kind of turbo boost his value. Whereas with Markinen, I have zero trust that the Bulls are going to do anything right. Yeah, that, that's my only issue with him. And I, honestly, he's a guy that I hesitated to bring up um, because there, I never really wanted him. And there's a reason <laughs> why I think he gets hurt. I think the Bulls just suck. Um, but it's just to the point where the, he's ranked so low at this point that he's just not that bad. I mean, he's better. he's a better player than what he's showing. Would you rather have Trez or would you rather have Markinen? Montrez. Okay. Um, a lot of the names we actually just talked about in our in our previous segment are names that I think we should probably float again in this one. Yeah. Um, Jay Rich was likely drafted later than Markinen in most drafts. I believe that I think his ADP was maybe like 10, 15 slots lower. So it's probably easier to peel him away from somebody else's team. But and I think he'll do better, by the way, rest of the season. I think I'd rather have Jay Rich than Markinen. 100% agree with you on that one. A hundred percent agree with you. I, there's to me, there's almost uh, you need to see uh, Wendell Carter Jr. get hurt. That's the way that that maybe flips on its head. Or Levine as well. Oh yeah, shots. Lots of volume. Lots of volume there. Okay, so the names we went through on the other one, 
Millsap or Markkinen? I'd rather have Markkinen. Yeah, Markkinen. Uh, Josh Hart, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker. Any of those guys ahead of Markkinen? No, I think I'd rather have Markkinen just because it's higher uh, in terms of what you could get the upside. Marcus Morris, the first name I brought up on the podcast. He's at 55 right now. I hate the Knicks. Markkinen. <laughs> I might actually go Marcus Morris in this one. That's so gross. I know. So gross. But it, you just don't know what those minutes. I mean, M-Rob got in foul trouble yesterday, so it's really tough to judge. But he wasn't playing at all. I think he, he only played like 12, 13 minutes last night. Yeah, I think that me, to me it's the story behind the story. They promised Marcus Morris everything to get him to New York. They had to. To leave San Antonio to go to the Knicks? That's true. He has just, performed really well. I mean, 19 points per game, two and a half threes per game, six and a half rebounds. Dude, he's taking 15 shots a game. This yeah, is like over a steal per contest. His free throw percentage is 84.5%. His field goal percentage sucks because he's taking so many shots. But if you're tanking field goal percentage, it's a pretty good guy to have. Yeah, that's like star level volume. 15 shots a game. That's crazy. Yeah. Look, if you sort your league by field goal attempts per game, the people near Marcus Morris are like Jokic, Brogdon, Vooch, <laughs> Sabonis. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, Marcus Morris. I would throw him in that. Yeah, that, my other team actually is very bad field goal percentage-wise, so might as well just go ahead and throw him in the mix. Yeah, screw it. Chuck away, man. And I do think his yeah. field goal percent probably comes up from 40 and a half a tiny bit. But then New York's offense is so lame that uh, yeah. Julius Randle's shooting like 12% below his career mark also. Uh, let's see, who the hell else do we have on this list of potential floats for uh, for Lowry Markkinen? Um, Tristan's... Rather have, I was just about to say, Tristan Thompson or... Markkinen. Markkinen. I would take Markkinen there. Yeah, it's close, though. It really is closer than what people think. I, I like Tristan Thompson. Hoop ball favorite, Rashawn Holmes. Rather have Holmes. I think I would, too, actually. I think he still plays even when Bagley comes back. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think Walton's anyway. an idiot if he doesn't. And once they start losing games, people will call for Holmes. And it just, like you've said in the past, he doesn't need that many minutes to produce. He's probably not going to go 20 and 15 once Bagley comes back. And there's also no assurance that Bagley stays healthy. Very true. All right, give me a sell high, and then we can put a pin in this bad boy. Oh, boy, are you ready for this? Oh, my God. What this you... goes back to the beginning of our conversation when we said this is not trading a third rounder for an eighth rounder or something like that. This is when you could trade a guy that is ranked high and get somebody that perhaps should be a little bit higher. I'm going with LeBron James. Ooh, I, I, I actually agree with you. <laughs> I mean, he has been tremendous thus far. He's leading the league in assists at over 11 assists per game. He's playing 35 minutes per game, averaging 25 points, eight rebounds, 11 assists. His field goal percentage is at 49%. He's a guy that has obvious name recognition. Yeah, just a bit. I, I think that you can still get a top five guy for him, and they're going to be rest days coming up. He's a guy that is going to sit because as many wins as the Lakers rack up is as bad as it is for his value down the stretch. Yep. And that means he's going to be sitting a lot of games. And because the Lakers are so good, I think that he's not going to be around when you need him down the stretch. And because of that, I would go ahead and try and trade him and try and get a guy like Carl Anthony Towns or Damian Lillard once he's healthy or perhaps a guy like Jokic. I would trade for those type of players instead of having LeBron James. Would you trade Braun for, uh, well, let's see, who are a couple of guys that are right below him right now? Actually, Giannis and Bradley Beal are both below him and were likely drafted first. Would you rather have those guys or Braun? 
much rather have Giannis. Um, Beal's close, but again, uh, the tough one with Beal is that you don't know if Washington's going to be there at the end of the season and if he's going to sit. So I'm more inclined to hold LeBron on that, but I do think that Beal is a guy that if he is not sitting at the end of the year, I'd rather have him. Would you take LeBron James, pair him up with someone in that 35 to 45 range, like say, I don't know, Rob Covington, LeBron Mm -hmm. and Rob Covington or LeBron and Jason Tatum, and make that your offer for Carl Anthony Towns? I would try and do LeBron for Towns as is, and then maybe throw a guy like LeBron and I don't know Teague or so. I don't think you have to aim that high. Start a little uh, lower. With some, yeah, with someone as good as Covington, I I don't think that LeBron and Towns are separated by that much at the moment. Can we play one last game here? It's called Where Is Russell Westbrook Ranked This Year? You know what's funny? I didn't even see his name when I was looking all the way. Yeah, around. you want to know why? Eighty-six. Yeah. Yikes. But not surprising at all, because all of last year, he was sitting around 90 because he was committing a ton of turnovers. He wasn't hitting free throws, and his field goal percentage sucked. And to nobody's surprise, his field goal percentage still sucks, and he's committing a ton of turnovers. And his assists are down to seven because he plays with James Harden now. Yeah. yeah. And he was awful last year, and he ended up at 32 per average. But for the first half of the season, he was sitting at about 90. Yeah, that field goal percent, man, that'll crush you. Um, good stuff, man. BD Marcus on Twitter. Brandon, uh, happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. That was excellent. We'll talk to you in a week. All right, sounds good. The great Brandon Marcus, ladies and gentlemen. I really like what we've got going here on this uh, little weekly trip into the buy lows and the sell highs because there are there are guys that are just not as good as they used to be. There are guys that will be improving. There are guys that are overplaying. And it's kind of cool, I think at least, to isolate the ones that deserve a little bonus attention. At least that's how I feel about it. So hopefully this is useful for you guys. It's kind of a, a useful exercise for me personally because it, uh, it kind of keeps us on point a little bit. Keeps you on point. You're paying close attention to every little potential area of regression. The mean is only so far away. Man, I wish Julius Randle could actually make his shots. He was so close. Anyway, um, let's do a little bit of a deep dive here on the Wednesday box scores. Um, we'll try to keep this a little more on the brief side uh, since we, we've we already done half a show to some degree. Maybe the stuff that you guys actually probably like a little bit more, but we, it, I think it's important to do our daily reset. Uh, remember, everybody, sign up for the Bruise Letter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter is the website. You enter your name and an email address. It's just that easy. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. You get a note. When I say a note, I mean a 13-page whopper from Aaron Brewski that'll come straight to your inbox every Monday throughout the season as Aaron breaks down all 30 teams. A blurb on every team. A deep dive on the Kings. A deep dive on his own life. It is the full breakdown. Every Monday, completely free. It costs nothing. All you got to do is sign up. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Go do that right now. Uh, Wednesday night, that was marred by a lot of blowouts. It was a blowout day. Not all of them, but many. And as you take sort of a quick glance at the card, Dallas, Golden State was a blowout. Toronto was a blowout. Miami was a blowout. Chicago was a blowout. That's too many. And then some of these were actually, they ended a little bit closer than they were for large portions of the game. But uh, 
like Milwaukee, Atlanta, that one was a pretty good runaway, and then Atlanta closed the gap late, so that was kind of a blowout. But we did learn a few things, so let's just roll right on through. Let's see what we get. We'll talk about it as we get there. New York hang, was able to hang in there. They actually played relatively well for most of this ball game. Finally, Philly kind of overwhelmed them. Marcus Morris had a low efficiency 22-13-6-2. He's turned out to be a really nice addition this season. I'm upset with myself because I did add him in one league or two leagues, and I dropped him in one of the two like an idiot. And he's just cruising along, and I, you know, against my better judgment, because I looked at it, and I was like, this dude's going to get a lot of volume this year. And he was shooting so poorly, and I bailed out, and I'm regretting it in that one spot. Because his field goal percent is still terrible. But even if that doesn't come back, he's sitting inside the top 75 as a guy that basically wasn't drafted. And as a guy we probably should have been higher on, because he left a team. Remember, you signed, basically. He was verbally committed to the Spurs, and then was like, you know what, I'm going to go to New York. Clearly, they promised him the moon, and the moon he currently has. Uh, Julius Randle can't make a shot from no matter where he's shooting from. Luckily, he's taking enough of them in this when he did some other stuff to float the line with a couple of threes, some steals. That'll get the job done. Mitchell Robinson basically was going to foul out. But he had his three blocks. I mean, people are going to be pretty annoyed. I bet you could get him for uh, not a horrible rate at this point. He is definitely well below his ADP. He's probably not going to get to his ADP. But he's really been not as horrible as people think. I know this line is, is god-awful, but those three blocks, they do come in handy. He's, he's more of a roto guy, for sure. Uh, Philly was without Josh Richardson, so Thibault played 14 minutes. He had a couple of steals. Generally, it was Furkan Korkmaz who got the start and didn't do anything with it. This is a weird one. You know, Al Horford saw his minutes down. They just were mixing and matching to see what worked. Tobias Harris had a rough shooting game. Everything about this screamed Philadelphia was not taking this game seriously, and they still escaped with a victory. San Antonio threw Patty Mills into the starting lineup. He played 30 minutes. Derek White was out for this one. DeJounte Murray played 19 minutes and had a great stat line. But boy, that's a rough 19 minutes. What the hell? LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, shot wasn't dropping, but 10 boards, 5 assists, 3 blocks. You're not going to argue with that. Patty Mills had 16-6 and six in his start. Bryn Forbes at 19-7. and seven. Anytime you play the Wizards, you want to get all those guys in. And a bunch of Spurs had really nice fantasy games. The guy I'm looking at actually isn't Patty Mills, because when they play a team that can actually guard anything, me, a rock, Patty Mills is not going to have a big game like that. He's not going to shoot 60% with four of them being three-pointers. The steals are higher than usual. This, and when Derek White is back, the minutes are going to get uh, redistributed a bit. Uh, same deal with Bryn Forbes. We know who he is at this point in the season, and it's not 19-4-7. and seven. The assists were very high because the point guards weren't on the floor. So he became kind of the de facto point guard. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are going to be flying on and off of waivers, but I can pretty much tell you now, Patty Mills is not going to last the season on your team. The guy I'm more interested in is actually Jakob Pertl who slid in there and got the start at center, moving Aldridge down to the power forward spot, where, oddly enough, he actually rebounded better. And Pirtle played 26 minutes. If he plays 26 minutes, he is unquestionably a fantasy pickup. Unquestionably. And it doesn't have anything to do with the Wizards in this case. It's just a per-minute thing with him. He has, at times in his career, sat around 18 to 20 minutes and been pretty close to fantasy-relevant, 
because of field goal percent, rebounds, and blocks. You throw an extra six or seven minutes on top of that, and he's golden. He's a bad number two center on your team. So he is this rare... Everybody's going to be looking at the big lines from Mills and Forbes as they slid in, and even Rudy Gay had a big game, because everybody was scoring in this. There were a ton of shots. It was up and down. They put up a buck 32 in regulation, blah, blah, blah. The guy I like is the one that doesn't need to, to actually take a shot to be effective. And he didn't rebound all that well in this game. So he was chasing three-point shooting centers all around the court. So keep a close, close watch on Jakob Pertl, because this was interesting. And if he sticks in the starting lineup, I mean, I'm not going to just throw him straight in because you know how this stuff goes and Pop could bench him and he could get 12 minutes in the next ball game. But he's one more 25-minute game away from being added to basically every team I've got. Davis Bertans got hot. He runs hot and cold. Ish Smith got hot. And that took minutes away from our good buddy Isaiah Thomas, who actually was having an okay ball game, uh, but just lost playing time in this one. They went with uh, hot hand stuff. And, you know, so uh, Bradley Beal was good. Mo Wagner was uh, okay. I mean, there was just so much stuff in this game. Even Rui Hachimura had an okay line, but again, no threes, no steals, no blocks. Whoops. He's on the outside looking in. Warriors sat everybody and got beaten to hell. Um, Marquise Chris actually had probably the best line on the team. Maybe Kai Bowman, depending on how you shake this thing out. Alec Burks was bad. Uh, Eric Pascal uh, had 22-7, and seven, but missed a bunch of free throws and sort of a weird twist in his normal thing. He had a steal, and he had a three-pointer. You like the shots. You like the 40 minutes, even in a blowout loss. So he's just going to be out there taking shots all the time. And maybe that makes him the safest guy. If he's going to play 40 minutes every game, what are you going to do? We talked about uh, Kevon Looney yesterday, so I'm not going to wander down that path again. Luka Doncic just destroyed the Warriors. He only had to play 25 minutes. Porzingis was good. Even Tim Hardaway was good. Uh, Jalen Brunson shot the ball well. Dwight Powell played 25 minutes, but again, just didn't really need to be involved on offense, and Maxi Kleba didn't play at all. So the weirdness continues for this team. DeLon Wright was particularly bad. You know, I'm as patient as anybody, and I've said I'm holding on to most of these guys, but I got to say, they're trying my patience, man. The fluctuating minutes, the different starting lineups, Tim Hardaway Jr. playing big minutes. I mean, really, I get it. It worked fine. It worked against probably the worst team in the NBA right now, which is the injured Warriors. They have, they have nobody left on that damn roster. You could have run anybody out there. So why this particular group, I haven't a clue. Dwight Powell is too good to be sitting at 6-3. and three. The two steals and a block is nice, but you got to find a way to get him some rebounds. And, and with Luka and Kristaps taking all of them, basically, there just wasn't anything left. So he's on the chopping block. DeLon Wright is on the chopping block. These minutes bouncing all around. We've, we've given it the month now for some of these guys. And DeLon Wright's been hanging around inside the top 100 just kind of because he does so many things on the court. Dwight Powell doesn't have that luxury. He's a low-usage guy, needs to get those rebounds, putbacks, the easy dunks, that type of stuff. He's just not involved. So he might get cut first. I'll admit it. I'm running out of patience on that front. Milwaukee beat Atlanta, high-scoring affair. Uh, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter actually had a really nice ball game, so that's an interesting new twist. Jabari Parker was fine. You're going to see DeAndre Hunter get picked up in a bunch of spots, and then you'll see him get dropped in a bunch of spots shortly thereafter. Uh, he has not been good at all prior to this game. So if we think that this is somehow the night where it all came together, 
Fine, I don't. Damian Jones played 20 minutes. He continues to show that he has a nice ability to get fantasy stats in limited time, but it's too limited, so he's on the outside looking in right now. Uh, nobody stepped up for the Bucks outside of the main guys. Bledsoe, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, those were the guys generally in this ballgame, so we'll just leave it at that. Tough night if you're a Magic fan. Orlando lost uh, Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon in the same ballgame. Vuce, a bad ankle sprain is what they're calling it. Hopefully it's not more than that. He really couldn't even walk. Uh, Aaron Gordon hurt his ankle as well. We'll wait on timelines. Um, there's been a, a dead sprint to the waiver wire for Kem Birch and Mo Bamba. It's not entirely clear which of those two guys is going to run away with the job. It might just be a timeshare, in which case they probably both end up stinking. In the meantime, Jonathan Isaac is going to have to do some serious rebounding, so that's good if you have him, but the Magic are just going to get smoked without Vooch. They're terrible without him. You're going to see a ton of shots for Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier. Isaac will have to take more looks. If you have Magic that aren't hurt right now, you're in business. That's all I can really say. I'm not going to... I mean, I picked up Bamba in a couple of spots. I, I don't even know that he's necessarily a must-own player, but there is the possibility that he gets himself, you know, an extra five to ten minutes a game, and with that, maybe he gets over the cut line. I, I'm still not completely convinced on that front. There are a lot of other guys floating around out there. I mean, Jakob Pertl, frankly, I think I'd probably rather have than Mo Bamba. Call me crazy. But uh, I do love those. I love those defensive stats. I love that field goal percent. I love those rebounds. You have to be able to weather the fact that he doesn't shoot free throws very well. But that's pretty easy balance. He doesn't take that many. Yeah, there's a build element to it. As I stare at some of my teams while making a decision on what to do here with all of these centers floating around. <laughs> there's a build element to it. No question. Um... But it's useful. He's useful. Probably more than Bamba. Uh, Terrence Davis had a big game for the Raptors. Chris Boucher had a good game, probably with the news that Serge Ibaka is not far away. All of these guys are rendered fairly uninteresting. No update on Kyle Lowry, I guess. But again, once they're all healthy, who really cares about Norman Powell's weirdo fantasy game? So uh, I'm out. I'm out. Give me the main dudes. Larry Nance Jr. came back way faster than I expected. Terrence, uh, excuse me, Tristan Thompson got a DNP rest, and Cleveland got blown out without anybody to do the dirty work. I guess it would have been Nance. He remains a very strong hold. He's come on in very nicely lately for this team that exclusively has big men that get fantasy stats. For Miami, they threw this one into cruise control. Jimmy Butler shot the ball horrendously, but still had 21-5-5, two steals, four blocks, and two three-pointers. And he's basically a first-round guy this year. Uh, Duncan Robinson had nine threes. Tyler Hero was actually the big guy among the three-guard thing. I still like Kendrick Nunn the most. I repeat that same spot. Bam Adebayo missed a bunch of free throws, and that's holding him back because otherwise he had himself a really nice ball game. And it's the same old story. Kelly Olynyk 24 minutes. Myers Leonard, 18. Neither one of them enough to get over the hump. Womp, womp. And still no Justice Winslow. Miles Bridges, that's a couple good ones in a row for him. Perhaps the long hold, the slow plod is getting there. And then otherwise, Charlotte uh, was ugly in this one. They shot 37%, and everybody was an offender. Everybody. Even old man Marv. 
I don't think I'm making any ads or drops. It's just another example. I mean, Nick Batum played 26 minutes and took one shot in this ballgame. He is not an ad. Sorry. If, you, if you're completely disengaged like that, you shouldn't even be playing. Sorry. Spencer Dinwiddie is racking up stats while Kyrie Irving is out. As soon as he comes back, then that obviously flips on its head. Jared Allen had a huge game against the undersized Hornets. Torian Prince bounced back. He's been pretty inconsistent this year, but is worth owning, particularly an 8-cat. And then DeAndre Jordan had a really efficient 20 minutes, but again, he's right on that cut line. I had him in a league, and I frankly probably should have held on to him because as it turns out, that's a league where I could use some more rebounding. Um, so there's a place for it, but he's, he's a little bit of a tough own. What's he at right now? What's he ranked after this one where he, he put up some nice percentages? Uh, DeAndre Jordan one, he's like just outside the top 100. Yeah, that's about what I expected. And then Joe Harris had a cold one, but he'll be fine. For Utah, Mike Conley, 16-6-8 with a steal and two three-pointers. He's slowly coming around. Boyan got hot first time in a little while. He's been, you yeah, know, these guys run hot and cold. And uh, this was the the tail end of a home-and-home, home, Utah and Minnesota, so this one we could sort of see a mile away. Cat was bad and largely not involved. It was the Andrew Wiggins firing hour here, and uh, it wasn't very good. No change in value. Joe Ingles, by the way, we were saying, hey, can you have a couple good games in a row? The answer was a definitive no. Detroit had four days off, and they looked like a team that had 40 days off. Christian Wood was good, and everybody else was pretty bad. Andre Drummond fouled out against the Bulls of all teams. Luke Kennard had 14. Derrick Rose actually played pretty well in his 24 minutes, 18-3-2 with a steal. Uh, but Blake Griffin has not helped this team. One assist for Blake. He shot horribly. I mean, this is why we dodged him in almost every format. He's just He had a great season last year, but that was the max out point. The Bulls decided to add another guard to the mix, and Shaq Harrison saw 26 minutes. Uh, Zach Levine was bad in this one. Larry Markinen was a little bit better. Wendell Carter Jr. was okay. Tomas Sadoransky, who's the guy we keep harping as the hold, strong, strong hold, had himself a really nice ball game, and uh, and the Bulls just beat the hell out of the Pistons. They should be winning more games like this. And when I say like this, I just mean hitting a few three-pointers and not being terrible. Houston-Denver, Nuggets defense is doing this to some teams, held the Rockets to 95 points. Uh, Daniel House hurt his shoulder. Confound it, man. You know, I love you, buddy, but you're making it hard with all these injuries, so he only played half the ball game. Um, P.J. Tucker had a rough one, too. When when the Rockets play teams that slow things down, that dramatically impacts P.J. Tucker, more than almost anyone. Harden was actually fine, aside from the eight turnovers. Westbrook was not good at all. Clint Capella was still okay, but again, it's it's tough for the other guys to get much going when a team like the Nuggets just says, yeah, okay, listen, beat us, straight up. And for the Nuggets, it's the same old story. Millsap, Barton, Jokic, Murray, and then Gary Harris played 35 minutes and didn't do anything with it. And we got our first look of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George at the same time. It was, um, at times, a little bit disjointed, which is the age-old adage, man. You fade a team with a superstar coming back, and things can get goofy, and, you know, it's a competitive ball game and so forth. It was a fun one. There's just always... It doesn't always work. Here's the thing. It doesn't always work, but 
the phenomenon here, and this is getting into betting a tiny bit and just perceived value is when a guy like Kawhi Leonard plays, it's a good thing. And in general, whatever number they assign to his value, I think in this one it was like two to three points, is probably about accurate. The issue with this particular wager, if you were going to bet on the Clippers laying uh, seven at home, was this is the first time that their two mega usage signings were going to play together. First time. Treated almost like opening night. By the way, it totally took the steam out of Lou Williams. I mean, it was just like watching the game, it was very ugly. They had 17 turnovers like halfway through the third quarter. So you had to know that there's going to be a learning curve. And at some point, they're going to start to figure it out together. Quick, it might even be the next ball. It might even be in the towards the end of this one. I, I didn't watch every second of it. But when that happens, then the value point flips. And you can start to bet on a team like the Clippers. But as this one currently stood, that's a very dangerous bet. The thing I took away from this ballgame that I thought was fun, Daniel Tice has absolutely cemented himself as the Celtics' starting center. He was very good in this game. He was active. He was all over the place. His busy hands. He was forcing turnovers. He was rebounding. He was even passing. They ran offense through him. And he has 100% taken that job and should be on as many fantasy teams as humanly possible. I mean, I'll give you that there are formats where maybe it doesn't make sense, but you guys know what I mean. And, and man, I, I have to address something where people are like, you, got, you talk about this format, you talk about that format. I really try my best, guys, to go... Nine-cat head-to-head is probably the most common format. I like to discuss nine-cat roto because then you can make the adjustments from that. So like I said, I'm talking about a nine-cat roto league. By the way, if you're in a roto league that doesn't have a games cap, you're a crazy person. Uh, but if I say something about a nine-cat roto league and you're in a head-to-head and you're like, oh, but is this guy going to rest at the end of the year? Maybe then make the adjustment on that, okay? I can't go into every little detail on every guy or the podcast would be three and a half hours long. <laughs> None of us wants that. So I need you guys to do a little bit of that last. I'm going to take you 95% of the way there on some of this stuff, but obviously if you have a different format, then apply things to your own team as well, okay? We can't go through every single one. Very short Thursday card. Very short Thursday card. Portland is in Milwaukee. The the dinged up Blazers. No Damian Lillard, by the way. He was ruled out uh, yesterday, actually, for that ball game. Uh, Milwaukee on the back to back. New Orleans. Phoenix is the second one. New Orleans. It sounds like will. Uh, what do we got? Lonzo Ball is questionable. Julia Okafor is questionable. Favors and Hart have been ruled out. So if we get word, by the way, that. Uh, Jaleel Okafor is out. Jackson Hayes becomes a sweet stream. Cash in on that. No, don't, don't mess around. You throw somebody in that can have a big old ball game once in a blue moon, you might as well do it. Um, but obviously, if Okafor plays, then that puts a pretty big hole into that assessment. And on the Phoenix side, Ricky Rubio is doubtful. He tried to play with his back spasms in Sacramento, and we all saw how that went, so not great. No revenge angles on the docket. Not many in the way of good betting angles on the docket. I think everybody's going to be watching to see what Mello does. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know, you'd kind of have to give me the money to lay on one of these things. This is not a great gambling card, and I, I don't know that I'm going to venture into it. Once again, big thank you to Brandon Marcus for coming on, doing our buy low, sell high segment for this week. He will join us once again next week for a similar segment. 
Uh, we'll wrap things up tomorrow. That'll be our final show of the week. We'll preview the three days across the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that's how we're kind of stringing these items together, tying the front end with the back end of the weekend, and that way we sort of never lose our pulse of what's going on in the NBA. Once again, folks, uh, sign up for the Brews Letter at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Do it yesterday. Really, stop screwing around on that front. And a very important note here as we approach the end of the show. I hope you guys haven't tuned things out yet. Uh, maybe I'll edit this bad boy, get it earlier again. So either for the first time or the second time, depending on whether or not I got weird and, and edited it in, uh, we are looking for a sales team at Hoop Ball. This is, we've sort of thrown this out there in passing at times, but now it is truly officially official. If you have daytime hours open and you want to get in, work with a sports website and climb the ladder real fast, make some, make some cash while you're at it, holler at me, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter, or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We want you on the horn. It's sales time here at Hoop Ball. It's time for the website to take the last gigantic leap forward, and we want the best of the best of the best. Give me a ring. Let me know where you're at. What are your hours? What can you do? We're looking for you. Again, Dan Bespris on Twitter. Hit me up. This is a big deal. Big deal. Almost all the stuff we talk about here, uh, contributor roles, this is a big deal. This is get in. And if you're in the Bay Area, you actually get slight preferential treatment. So uh, I'm sure there are a few of you out that way. Send me a line. Again, if you got daytime hours open, this is very important. You can't do sales at 9 p.m. Unless you're in Europe, in which case that's the middle of the day out here. Uh, but yeah, that wasn't exactly what I had in mind. Regardless, if you got those daytime hours open, hit me up and uh, maybe we can make something work. Again, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This is your Thursday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I have a lovely short card this evening. This is your deep breath for the week, and we'll be back with you first thing on Friday morning. Sit back, relax, enjoy the mellow. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.